<sighs> Nothing like a lazy Saturday. Nothing really to do. Just relaxing. Frank! We forgot to record an episode! Frank! Welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, a Degrassi viewing podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your charmed neophyte, Frank. Today we're taking a look at Season 4, Episode 19, Moonlight Desires. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty good episode. <laughs> yeah, so we'll talk about it. Um, before we begin, um, thank you very much for your patience this week. I got really fucking sick on Monday, the one day we had available to record. As in, I could not talk without feeling nauseated. So I figured, maybe that's not the best time to record an episode. Perhaps that is not great. Also, like, I had sick brain. And you know when you're, like, trying to find words, and they're always, like, to the left of what you want? Like, I couldn't remember the word closet. <laughs> so. Cl- cl- uh, sick brain sounds a lot like Frank's tired brain, where I could not remember the word lesbians. So I just said, you know, the all-women couple. <laughs> That's really good, though. That is really fucking good. But, um, but yeah, we're back. Um, thank goodness. Thank you again for your patience. Um, before we get too far into this episode, some quick... Uh, content warnings, we are going to be talking about homophobia, specifically the institutional homophobia concerning blood drives. Um, we are also going to to be talking about prejudice relating to HIV. Um, we're going to be talking about teen sexuality. We're also going to have a moment of a kiss that was not, with consent not being established in the episode. Uh, and we're also going to be talking about cheating, which I know, like, is kind of a weird content warning to put on. But I know that for some people, it's a fucking lot. And it's, like, really traumatic to go through so why not put a content warning on it and what's weird is all that is only in the marco and dylan episode right part of the episode we have an entire uh i knew it said skylar um spinner and j plot that is devoid somehow of any problematic elements yeah it's very weird it's very different i mean it's it's hard and heavy in in its own way but it's not like the Marco and Dylan episode where it's part of the episode where it's like all of these content warnings, just so you know. Anyway, speaking of that B-plot and A-plot, the B-plot is Jane Spinner are angry at DeCrossi for the mess they made and decide to get some stupid revenge. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, Marco is running a blood drive, but Dylan seems kind of distant to his problems. Right. And uh, there's some trouble in paradise. So, yeah, let's uh, jump into it. Yeah, so I guess we'll go B-plot first. Yeah, B-plot first. As I, I want to, like, luxuriate in that A-plot. Yeah, no, that's fair. So the B-plot opens up with Spinner, and he is working at the dot. He's filling up water. He's filling up water glasses. Um, and Jay is being a shit and is banging a little spoon against the mug of coffee that he has at his table, trying to get his attention. And as they are talking to each other, it's a very fraught conversation. Um, You have Jay bringing up the fact that Spinner is why they are suspended and why they are in this situation. And they are just, there's just a whole lot of tension between the two of them. Um, The tension (laughs) continues because Spinner then goes to a table, which is full of ladies who are bird watchers. 
They all have bucket hats on and they're all flipping through guides. So I'm pretty sure they're supposed to be like bird enthusiasts. And they have a dog with them, which is, you know, perfect for bird watching. Right, right. They have this tiny little, like, tiny little dog. Um, (laughs) Sorry, just like, that reminded me of like, there's a a company called Geese Police. Yes, yes. In New Jersey, possibly in other places, but I was just like, man, I don't know what the qualifications of that job are, but it f- seems like just fucking such a rad thing to do. You right. Just, like, you ride around in a canoe and or in a truck with a dog. Yeah, no, it sounds like a great deal. And you get to scare geese. <laughs> no, I remember my father had, like, a dog like that on the premises of his office. That, like, he would just, like, look outside and this dog was just, like, chasing geese. <laughs> just, like, sure. Um, in Spinner's case, this is a group of people who are very particular, um, you know, the classic, oh, we requested lemon in our water. Oh, we need water for the dog. To which Spinner's like, hey, why the fuck is there a dog in this restaurant? <laughs> and they're like, well, she's here because she has to be. I don't even know the gender of the dog. I just assumed. I'm sorry. It's fine. It doesn't, the dog doesn't factor for too much into this plot. I'm so sorry. Um... Anyway, Jay is just kind of sneering in the corner. Spinner is trying to explain to these people that he is not their waiter. The waitress will be coming in soon enough. And Jay is just fucking having a shit-eating grin. Like, Jay, what are you so pumped about? Like, Jay Jay is the the person at the anime convention who bought the ticket to make fun of the people at the anime convention. It's like, motherfucker, you're here too. Like, right. I'm getting paid to be here. Right, like, Spinner is getting paid. Like, it's annoying, but he's getting paid. It's a fucking job. Like, what is Jay doing? Like, <laughs> like, like I would, like, we've never seen any indication of Jay's home life, but I would love for him, like, to see the scene where he comes home and, like, he's just like, hey, I got, sus- I got expelled, and everybody's like, well, we knew that was coming. Right. Like, like I said, I think I said when he did get expelled, Mrs. Haslakos, uh, or Ms. Haslakos, was just like, well, I've had this paperwork just ready to go since I started this job. <laughs> or right. I inherited it from Radish. Right, like, I have the paper trail. Worry not. Yeah. So, cut to, speaking of Ms. Haslakos, cut to her office. Yeah. Where Spinner is just allowed to come in. Yeah, 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 somehow he's able, that's what I found very interesting, because it's like, you would think that, you know, people would know who he is for many reasons, because he's been at the school for as long as he has. Like, you would think, like, him waltzing into the office, a secretary would be like, aren't you suspended? Like, (laughs) aren't you expelled? That's the other thing, and then I have a question about this in the, the rest of this. Anyway, somehow he's allowed to come in, and Spinner is like you know like hey how's it going he has this like shitty wilting little plant and asalakos is like you shouldn't be here and he's like yeah but i'm like keeping up i'm like using textbooks and she's like you're not supposed to have those textbooks but anyway and he's (laughs) like yeah well i'm like you know i gotta stay on top of it for exams um and this is where i get confused because expelled from my understanding in my experience you don't come back you don't come back period like there is no path to come back if you're suspended, you're suspended. That's different. There's a path. Maybe somebody suddenly pointed out, oh, hey, restorative. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that would be, but like, yes, yes, it's true. Like, there, there is, a restorative approach would be 
very apprehensive to to even discuss expulsion because like that would imply that a person is incapable and unfit to ever be part of the community so like it makes sense to be like this is a suspension this is a long-term suspension but like the way that he talks about it you would think that there was any ray of light. You know what I mean? Unless it maybe his ray of light is just, I know Hasselakos, I know this school, I've been here for years. Like, I wasn't always doing shitty things like this. I need to graduate, I need my friends back, this is it. And maybe that just is the way, like, but then it's interesting because Hasselakos then suggests, hey, you can do summer school. And I'm like, that's not what an expulsion is. Yeah, I'm like... I, I think, once again, we have to think that the Degrassi writers did not do any uh, research into teaching practices of any kind, and they're just like, well, we'll create the most drama. I mean, there's that, potentially. I think there's also something to be said about, like, you know, maybe it's also just a writing thing they went back on. Yeah. They were like, well... You know, we we said that, and then they realized that if they did, then they would have had to separate Jay and Spinner from the story entirely. And then they were like, well, we don't necessarily want to do that, so here's here's a potential compromise. Let's make it that it was a long-term suspension, and nobody's going to sit around running a podcast about it ten years later. (laughs) Yeah. So, so like, I think that might have been the idea. Nobody's going to fact-check this. Nobody's going to fact-check this ten Degrassi podcasts later. Mayhaps. (laughs) I don't know if other people pick, talked, picked this apart either. I, I try, as much as I'm sure there are very good Degrassi podcasts out, I try not to listen to them because I don't want us to, like, steal any ideas or anything unintentionally. It's like it's like reading fanfic about your own intellectual property. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, I recently found a podcast called Mother May I Sleep With Podcast, which is a Lifetime original movie podcast. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, but I, like because he's going to do so many Lifetime movies, I can't listen to it. I can. Send it to me. It's just Mother May Super Podcast. Okay, I have no memory, so okay. <laughs> text me anyway. Um, anyway, so back to this. Um, Hasselako says she's willing to have him do summer school. Um and he is really upset about this because his whole entire thing is he needs to finish up the year. And, and really what what he's getting at, and even though he doesn't say it super explicitly in this scene, he needs to be able to be with his friends. Um, and if he does not finish up the year um, with them, then he's going to be out of step. Which, honestly, he's been out of step his whole life, really, with his schooling since we've known him in Degrassi. Because he's been repeating grades and repeating classes and all that type of stuff. So this stressor might also be deeper than just, I need to be with my friends, but also it's like, I'm getting further and further and further and further behind, and this is really upsetting me. Yeah. So this could also be speaking to that piece of him that I think this show never quite explores outside of the first season, but I think there is that that fear that being seen, like, I'm a fuck-up. I am forever a fuck-up when it comes to school. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, he's like, I need to finish the year, and she's like, no. <laughs> You're gonna go to summer school. That's the best that you can get. Sorry. I mean, we were also saying how much we liked Hasselakos in this moment. I was just gonna be like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> like a kid died because of you. Yeah, like she does bring up the consequences of his actions and how the consequences of his actions are really fucking severe, and it sucks because you know this is the complication with Rick and the complication with the plotline where Rick was a horrible person. But at the end of the day, Spinner and Jay and Alex's actions were what led to the violence that happened that day. 
And it's like this difficult thing to navigate that I don't even know as a writer entirely sure how to do it because it is a difficult thing, right? You still want to say what Rick's actions, what Rick did was horrible and Rick was a monster in many different ways, but you still want to be like, you still shouldn't incite, like you still shouldn't like poke a bear either. It's, it's kind of a difficult thing to try and navigate in the show. And I think that it would have been very, it would have been a more successful season if they really tried to like mess with these gray areas. That said, they're very hard gray areas to mess with. So I understand why they didn't. Yeah. Um, so Hasselako shuts it the fuck down. Does not go back on her decision. So the next time we see this plot, Jay is trying to steal <laughs> Spinner's bike very badly. He's like trying to fiddle with the lock. It's not working. Kicks the fucking bike. Spinner's like, what are you doing, goofbag? <laughs> Straight up calls him a goofbag. Um, points out it's his bike. Um, and eventually the discussion of stealing, Spinner says that, you know, if we really want to, like, if you actually want to, like, steal shit, let's steal shit from the school. To which, and for context, we took a while to, to record this because I was watching it as when Frank was hanging out with me. So we were, like, talking and watching and everything. And Frank pointed out, Jay's already stolen shit from the school, <laughs> seeing as though he was not above the whole plot to steal the laptop from from snake while he you know had cancer and also stole all those candy bars right like this is this is nothing <laughs> this, for jay <laughs> for some reason this reminds well i guess not for some reason this reminds me of um the that old dc like children's book um when nobody was looking lex luther stole 40 cakes right that's as much as four tens and that's terrible <laughs> That's Jay with all the candy bars. Which I love because I forget which writer did it, but somebody made that canon that young like Luther living in Smallville stole all the cakes from a bake sale. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, fuck yes. <laughs> Make that stupid thing canon. <laughs> um, so next time we cut to them, they're not actually stealing. They're just TPing the school. Uh, or they're just TPing the basketball court? Yeah, they're, like, tossing the to toilet paper. They're aiming for the basketball. Well, there's one kind of funny scene beforehand, which is that in the school, the custodial staff leaves a room, and, like, Spinner, like, falls out of a closet, and Jay rolls out of a cabinet. <laughs> it was, which was kind of funny. Um, that's what I kind of like about this B-plot, I think, like, or in and the A-plot. I think both of these plots have a very good sense of humor. Yeah. Where things are very serious, but you're not, it doesn't feel like you're wallowing in it, which I think happens a lot of the time with Degrassi with some of these plots, where it's just like, the humor doesn't, is not well executed, or the humor is just, it's just devoid of humor. This one actually had some pretty funny physical humor, some pretty funny, like, facial reactions. It, for an episode that if you actually, like, when you talk about the A-plot and the B-plot, they are pretty upsetting, A-plot and B-plot, for different reasons, but still pretty upsetting. There's still a silliness to it that reminds you that this is, like, a teen drama. Yeah. But also, like, somebody did get shot at the school. How bad is the security now? Yeah. Yeah. It's still pretty terrible. Right. It's still pretty bad. Which, ugh. But at the gym, yeah, they're throwing the toilet paper onto the hoop. Um, they're just kind of making a mess. 
Um, Jay's kind of playing with the payphone, Spinner stacking chairs. Um, and then we go to the next scene where Spinner finds up, like, literally the entire school's order of yearbooks. Yeah. Um, so Jay... I mean, Jay's heart hasn't really been into this. We can kind of tell in the way that he's reacting to everything. He just kind of takes out the yearbook. He's like, yeah, anytime I'm in here, I'm a fuck up. He's like, what? He's like, oh, fuck too. And like, as he's like finding himself in the yearbook, Spinner is flipping through his. And Spinner is having a tough time because Spinner, and I I think about this all the time because um, when I watch it on YouTube, you know how they do the, uh, like, I watch like the playlist one. Mm -hmm. So inevitably the first episode from the season goes on. Which is when Paige is christening Spinner's car. So we see how fucking far Spinner has fallen. Like, I think about it every time. So, like, I turn it on and I see Spinner getting his new car with his girlfriend, with his pals. And then I'm turning on this episode. And he is he is entirely separated from them because of many different events that happened over the course of this season. I'm just thinking, like, it feels like it was we've been doing this season for so long. Yeah, like, so much changes in the season. It's, for a season that has some pretty weak spots, the characters end up in many different paths. And Spinner's is an interesting one in the sense that, like, at the beginning of the season, and as he sees in the yearbook, he is a social butterfly. He has really good friends. He has a strong relationship with Paige. Um, and... Now he's at a point where he's looking at this. I mean, they have the really heavy-handed, like, friends forever written in the yearbook, which, like, yeah, okay. But also, remember your audience. Sometimes you need something to be, like, you, just because you think it's obvious doesn't mean other people would find it obvious. So sometimes you have that. And let's be real, it's also in yearbooks anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just kind of, like, looking at it and getting angrier and angrier um, and then he's just like, let's, like, you know, grab the yearbooks, follow me. Um, and they had, like, they get some, some lighter fluid. Yeah. Um, well, Spinner does. Jay is just like, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, I got lighter fluid. Wow, I've realized why it feels like we've been doing this forever, because we started season four back in June. <laughs> Look, it's been a rough yeah, couple no, months. Like, <laughs> I'm not like I'm not saying like, I'm not trying to place blame, but I'm like, yep, that is why it's, like, it's been forever. Anyway, um, so yeah, Spinner's like, we're gonna t- burn this school to the ground, <laughs> or we're gonna burn these yearbooks, and Jay's just like. You want to rethink this, buddy? <laughs> right. Like, Jay, like I said before, Jay's heart is just really not into this whole entire thing. <laughs> and Jay's heart is not into going to jail for right. felony arson. <laughs> well, that's what he brings up. He's like, you know, if you burn these yearbooks, it's not just destroying the yearbooks, which would be an expensive nightmare for the school. Number yeah. one. Number two, it would be destroying the school. It would be destroying your friend's lives in many ways because you've now torched the school now what are they going to do and finally like oh by the way we're going to jail um yeah so i also also jay calls himself which i found really interesting in this moment well no there's so oh man and then in reaction fucking spinner says you're freaking the same way i am i'm fucking haunted by that line just like, I mean, Jay, it, it's funny to think about how, 
Like, the thing is with Jay, like, Jay doesn't seem to give a shit. No. Like, he's lost, like, he, there's no point over the last two episodes, or whatever episodes, where Alex, like, you know, caused drama and drama. Um, but, like, we haven't seen Jay do any pining over Alex. No. Of any kind. No. Like... Yeah, and it's interesting to think about it, like, is that Jay just accepting that he is somewhere that will never be saved? I think so. And Alex is someone that is, he sees, and that's really sad to think about too, right? He treats her like shit, but he still sees the, like, you know, her brilliance. Yeah. Which is not to excuse what he does, um... You know, in any way, but it does make Jay's character something. Like, it gives you something to go with. Like, this is a character who's irredeemably bad, not because the writers needed a bully, but because he sees that there is no purpose, and he he is irredeemable. He will never be saved. Yeah. He's in fucking high school, and he's already, like, crossed... He's already, like, written himself off. Yeah. Which... Oof. Like I said, does not excuse his behavior by any way, shape, or form, but maybe would make his behavior not palatable, but more interesting to kind of observe for a viewer. Understandable. Yes. Like, you can understand something without having to accept it. Right, right, right. And and for him to hear Spinner say, like, you know, we are the same is, is not, is like, it's like, no, you're not. Yeah. Like, he still sees a good in Spinner. Spinner's an, you know, he thinks that he's a dumbass for everything that is, like, you know, for how he's handling things and for some of his decisions. But at the end of the day, he does not see Spinner as this dark, this darkness. Yeah. Are we making Jay and Spinner's, like, relationship way more interesting than that? Well, there's that person you said online who did, like, 83... Right, they did all the Jay Spinner, and I feel like that must be the the hook for the ship, right? Like that's gotta be the hook for the ship. The uh, and let's be real, there are some, you know, fanfic lives off of this type of idea of like one person thinking that they are beyond saving the other one being their like prevailing good. Yeah. Ooh. Mm. Forty <laughs> reviews. I'll write Jay Spinner. No, I won't. Maybe I will. You know, I might. I could. Um, so, yeah, Spinner just kind of breaks down and just says, like, he wants his friends back. Yeah, they're, like, wrestling in the process, too. Like, it becomes very physical. They're, like, throwing each other. And as they're doing it, um, Spinner, like, you know, Jay is kind of doing the whole, like, you don't want this. Like, this is not what you want. And Spinner eventually breaks down to just, like, I want my friends back. And Jay, in this part, like, really hit me. He goes, like, as your friend substitute... Which, oof. He's like, this is not how you do it. Yeah. Um, so then he, then he does something completely out of, like, left field for me. He's like, let's clean this up. And I'm just like, I, I expect you guys just to leave. <laughs> right. It's, I mean, it's interesting because it's like, you would need, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, is this him attempting at redemption? Do we need to keep watching before we can make that call? But you do see, like... It's interesting to see Jay not just revel in shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like for so long we have seen him just go so fucking hard and gleefully so. And to see him be understated, 
almost in a way like if he sees it's almost like he he is truly seeing a potential reflection of his action where alex is smart and always able to kind of think on her feet and at the end of the day has this sense of good about her towers unfortunately was not really a factor we can't really analyze him because unfortunately the like he was just not given any shot of having any characterization but let's say let's put on our thinking caps he did date liberty eventually so maybe jay also saw a good in towers that he never saw in himself and now he's seeing spinner trying to emulate him in so many ways in his actions and he's just like fuck no like i gotta i gotta change this like now he's truly affected by this oh and sean god yeah sean also well sean as much as we don't love how he pulled himself out of the situation he does pull himself out of the situation and sean always had a good about him and i think jay knew that and tried to kind of corrupt him for it yeah i don't think jay ever questioned the good in sean even I, if it probably pissed him off. I think the thing is, Jay keeps looking for equals to his own, like, the, the wrongness he sees in himself. Right. But he can't find them. Right. And now he's confronted with someone who is slipping potentially to his level, and he's like, I can't let that happen. Yeah, I think... That- Man, this Jay meta is getting so fucking good. <laughs> we need to record on Saturday mornings more often. <laughs> I mean, it's bright. I actually could not recognize... I like, was about to park on the wrong street earlier, because I'm like not used to seeing this side of town in the daylight. <laughs> Shit, man. This is good. Um, fuck. Um, yeah, so... Oh, man. So the last scene is Hasselakos' office. Spinner enters, um, and he says, like, hey, you mentioned summer school. And she's like, I offered. You rejected it. And, you do that stupid plan, my garbage. Right. <laughs> and he's like, you know, what about, like, maybe going to alternative school of some sort just to keep up and everything and then maybe transfer? Um, and he's just like, I want to graduate, and I want to have my friends back, and the only way that I'm going to have any of these, either of these things happen is if someone gives me a chance. And she passes him the forms for summer school. <laughs> now I can be in the same class as Manny Santos. Oh, fuck. Right. <laughs> uh, was just like, ah, let's look into those alternative schools. <laughs> so that's really just the, that's the B plot. Yeah, it's, it's a weirdly very, it's very concise. It's not much, but in terms of the, the screen time, but it covers a lot of very difficult emotions, which I really like. Yeah, it's not like... It's not it, it's not a waste of time B plot. It's a No. Like, it's what B plot should be. Yeah. It's it should be moving characters. It should be it, contrast from the A plot, but it's still good. Like that's the thing. It's like I I get frustrated when I see a good B plot because in the sense of like it makes me wonder why we have to slog through so many bad B plots cuz I think the A plot B plot format is not bad. I mean, who doesn't love a subplot, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's just like very interesting seeing how many writing teams seem to like really blow it sometimes but this one is good yeah this one's really fucking good so um jumping to the a plot um we're in the gymnasium people are setting up for a blood drive i'm I'm just literally that was just from the transcript yep um marco is directing everyone ellie is going to be doing stickers Craig is to pack the blood bags, which I don't know what that means. Um, and Alex is being forced to wear the Panther costume. Yes. And I fucking love this. 
it's really fucking funny. She is so, like, she's so not into it. Um, she's like, what the fuck? And Marco's like, we need cute and cuddly Alex. And Alex is like, fuck you. And I love them. I really love, um, and this is something that's going to carry through the episode, so I'll talk about it. The core characters in this plot outside of, like, Dylan, because this is obviously about Marco and Dylan eventually, are Ellie, Craig, Alex, and Marco. And I think that's such a beautiful quartet. Because it's, like, this interesting interplay between you have characters who, um, who are, like, mentally ill. We have characters who are survivors of abuse. We have characters who are not straight. Um, there's, like, this interesting, like, outcast kind of quality to them. And they're all, they're all different in different ways. Um, but they have, like, a wonderful little connection with each other. I think it's the same thing we were always complaining about with, like, the characters of color on the show. Mm-hmm. Is that they never got to, like... Have a community. Yeah, and, like, they these four have found a community amongst each other. Right, and, like, that's what, you know, that would be so nice to see for our characters of color. Because I feel like if you actually, like, put characters who are from similar experiences or similar marginalized groups, you do get this kind of... There's an easiness to the interplay. Mm-hmm. There's, there's like, an easiness to the way they all talk to each other. Like, Alex is, you know, being, you know, being a contrary, you know, brat during the whole entire thing. But Marco is, like, kind of teasing back. And, you know, they're they're able to joke and they're able to, like, have a lot of fun during it. Even if, like, she's like, well, fuck it, I don't want to wear this fucking costume. And, like, there's one part where, like, Ellie is commending Marco for his, um, for his, uh, ability to run this whole entire blood drive, and it's like, oh, gee, have you thought about maybe running for president again? And Alex just has the panther head on, and she's just going, four more years! Four more years! <laughs> and there's just, like, these cute little moments between all of them. It's, it's this really good combination of characters that I really appreciate. Yeah, um, but Marco has plans to move in with Dylan after uh, this year. He plans, or he plans to try and graduate early mm-hmm. over the summer so he can move in with Dylan. Right. So, and everyone's just kind of trying to, like, they're all, like, they all pause that are, like, really surprised by it. Like, um, Donnie paused to take a picture, to take a screen cap of uh, Alex pulling the panther head on and, like, rolling her eyes. But there is also a great shot of her, um, I, I think I might have taken a screen cap myself, of her, like, mid-taking, like, taking it off and just kind of like, oh, here it is, giving a, um, giving Marco a, like, really? Yeah, yeah, she's like, they're all, it's like a weird, it's kind of a weird reaction, but I love how, I love the reaction because they're all like, what the fuck? okay like because like and they all point out that there's different pieces that they're all hung up on because like there's the news that he is planning on graduating early which obviously throws a wrench in like ellie's life plans not to be like and that sounds like i'm being dramatic i'm not because i'm sure for her it's like yeah we're gonna go through this together like i've gone through this really fucking shitty time in high school but at least i'm gonna graduate with my pals um then what is it craig is hung up on like moving with dylan and, like, they're all, like, there's pieces of it that they're all, like, trying to process. They're all big news to try and have at the same time. 
And Marco was like, yeah, like, I think this is what I want to do. I, I would like to think that it's just, like, each person coming from their own, like, past and, like, insecurity. Mm-hmm. That's what they're commenting on. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Ellie being like, oh, you're gonna not be here with me next year. Yeah, you're leaving me. Yeah. Uh, Craig's just like, well, I tried to move too fast, my dude. Like, Right, right. Like, that's know, bad. And I was basically being like, you you think you can trust somebody? Right. No, I think that's exactly it. I think that's exactly it. Like, they're all getting hung up on things that reflect their own fears. And in many ways, their own hopes with Marco as well. At least in the case of Ellie. Yeah. Um, so, we go to the front of the school, and Dylan is dropping Marco off, and he's reassuring him about the day, and about how there's going to be a party later. You know what? In retrospect, I didn't think about this Dylan line. So you'll call before you come over for the party. Oh, fuck! Okay, spoiler alert for the rest of this episode. You're going to hear it and keep listening anyway. Dylan wants to have an open relationship. Right. And Marco walks in on him kissing another boy. Right. And, like... Which I have a lot of things to say as a polyamorous person, and we'll get to it. Yeah, but, like, you know, it's one of those things where, like, something happens, you just start going through the past, and you're like... Oh, yeah. This was more obvious than I thought it was. Yeah. I didn't even pick up on it. I've watched this episode so many times. Well, I just had the transcript open. Yeah, that helps. Um, But, yeah, like, Marco is looking really freaked out, and Dylan's trying to reassure him. Marco notes that, like, there was a bee in the car the whole time. And Dylan commends him because he's like, yeah, a year ago you would have jumped out. (laughs) But you haven't. Yeah, because he feels safe with Dylan. Right. and like like you can read my fan fiction. (laughs) (laughs) that's your recommendation my fanfic um but also there also is something to be said about how much growth marco has gone through in the past year right like he is now a way more confident person he's still marco he's still anxious he's still a bit neurotic but his oh like his ability to deal with it has changed quite a bit and also this is a kid who was not a direct part of the tragedy but was still like at the school when a shooting happened and that's also going to impact you and how you view the world and everything so this kid's gone through quite a bit yeah but um then we go to the blood drive itself spike makes a weird comment about like comparing (laughs) blood giving to childbirth and emma's like please stop i want to die not childbirth breastfeeding oh excuse me i'm sorry i got it flipped anyway i'm like what man wrote this episode right i'm like sitting here like man like uh no definitely a cis man was like ah yes this is a good comparison whatever fluid leaves your body is like breastfeeding (laughs) (laughs) peeing is like breastfeeding i didn't want uh i was like you know that i didn't want to say that but the thing i said wasn't much better no no anyway emma's like i want to die please stop um, and Caitlin Ryan is here. And Mike, Emma, and Spike. They're yeah, on the right. episode. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Right. <laughs> I like to think that fucking um, uh, Miriam McDonald and whoever plays Spike's character, they're just like, Thanks for the paycheck. And they, they drove off in a convertible together <laughs> right. after this day of shooting. Right. <laughs> Thanks for the money. <laughs> exactly. But it's like. Um. 
<laughs> but yeah, so Caitlin Ryan is 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 filming and interviewing and everything, and she's she's talking to Hasselakos. Um, and mostly the whole entire angle of it is like, you know, oh, like Degrassi's gone through this tragedy, but look at like the blood drive and look at the various ways that the school has been trying to recover. And Hasselakos <laughs> is very smooth about this and is like, you know, it's not me who made this happen. Like, yeah, I, I inherited this school during a really shitty time. Yes, that's true. But it was all Marco. Marco is why any of this is able to happen. Marco's been organizing dances. Marco's now organizing this blood drive and goes to Marco. And Marco is talking about, like, you know, trying to start talking about his contributions. And as he's talking about it, Alex fucking launches at him in the <laughs> panther costume and knocks him down. And Marco says, Alex, stop tackling me. So I'm just like, this definitely isn't the first time. No, no, this is definitely, like, uh, it's definitely something that... Which almost is cute because I almost want to like feel like what if Alex and him have a relationship where she just like fucking tackles him all the time. She like jumps on him like it's just like hey Marco jumps on his back and just like chokes him like I, from behind. I now want to write a fan fiction where Mark because Marco doesn't have any siblings right? No as far as I know. Very weird for an Italian child really. <laughs> um, so like I'd like to write a fan fiction where he's just like not that good with, like, physical, you know, roughhousing. Oh, I feel this. And oh, Alex I really is, feel this. And Alex is just like, well, I can teach you that. It's like, okay, what's the first lesson? Then she just tackles him. Right? Like, she's just, like, really rowdy with him. And, like, that's actually really cu- Oh, my God, that's so cute. The more I think about it, the more I love it. This men-loving men, women-loving women solidarity, like, these weird, rowdy, like, siblings. I'm really into this dynamic. Oh, my God. And that's probably really good for her, too. <laughs> to, like, have, like, a, a found family, but a found family playing out the dynamics of, like, uh, uh, in that way. Like, it's like, oh, like, I have a found sibling. Like, yeah. I don't know, that's really sweet. I, I think that's really good for both of them in many ways. In different ways. I just, I really love their relationship. It's so silly. It's so silly. Um, oh, and uh, according to this transcript, Baby Bear the dog is a girl. Oh, Okay. Um, so Marco, we, we cut to the, we cut to the dot, back to Marco. Marco is... Well, one last thing with this scene. Caitlin notes that they're almost done. The only thing they have to do is they need footage of Marco giving blood. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Because the next scene. Uh, Marco says, if I pass out, please stop filming me. Yeah, he's like ready to give blood. He's talking about that. And the, one of the people who are, who is running the drive um is like hey can you shut off filming and it's like uh and she says that marco is not allowed to because he has had sex with another man um and i thought the way that they scripted this was interesting because i like how marco is like too flustered to say it and like she kind of has to like finish the sentence he's like and he's like well the word i think he's like because i had and then he drops the word sex with -hmm. another man and then she comes in and is like oh you know, and, and reiterates it, um, but says that he can't donate. Um, to which we had a discussion, because I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure this ban is still happening. Frank's like, is it? And we looked it up, and in the case of the U.S. and Canada, the ban's still in effect. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I just shrugged, but it's like, it's fucking stupid. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and the kids note it, too, because... As Marco is, like, giving Dylan, like, a panicked message on the phone trying to find his support, Ellie's like, you can just test it. Um, well, Craig and Ellie are, like, Craig's like, why is your blood riskier than ours? Like, right. And Ellie 
So like, they test everything. Why does this matter? Right. It's it's one of those things that I think is very easy to forget that it exists. Yeah. Because it's like one of those things where it's just so it, it's so antiquated. Um, and even then, it was it was a law that derived from homophobia, right? Like yeah. it's not it's not like this this weird old fashioned like this like not old fashioned but like anachronistic law that was put into effect because like. You know the way that this disease is 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 spread has changed or something like that. No, it literally stemmed from homophobia during during like you know the eighties. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Like what? Like blood donations are so like hard to come by. Like right. I'm constantly getting like calls for my blood, and it's just like you're gonna just he calls for your blood, Frank. We need your blood. I mean. It's not that far off. Like, yeah, I guess. But it's just like, you know, like, you're gonna just deny yourself an entire section of the population. Right. Like, it's stupid. Like, my sister can't give blood, and, like, she just has tattoos. Like. Wait, you can't give blood because you have any tattoos? Well, like. Or recent tattoos, recent right? Tattoos. It's, like, within the six months, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's I just, like, just test blood. for the hep or whatever, like. That's like that's is whatever, I think it's hepatitis is the the thing they're worried about in that one. But it's just like I think so. It's so stupid. Like just test the fucking blood and just like, who cares after that? Right, right. It's just it's, it's a very antiquated one, and it is also one of those sad things, right? Because you're watching this episode. And I remember being a kid, being like, "Wow, is that really true? I can't believe it!" And then here I am, like, twenty eight years old, going, "Yeah, sure is still a thing, isn't it?" Yeah. Um, and, like, Marco is just saying, like, Dylan and I are the only people we've been with, like, and we're both safe about it. And, like, just, like, I just can't believe this. And Alex is just like, well, fucking, is whining doing anything? Go complain to Caitlin Ryan. <laughs> I really love that, too. I love, like, once again, it's like, Alex is a little shitster, but she can use her shitstirring for good. And I really like that she's just like, well... Who gets to Here's say- your chance. Okay, so I'm like, I'm stuck between Alex and Marco on who gets to say fuck. I mean, I feel like we generally give it to the person who has the worst time, and that's definitely Marco in this episode. Mm-hmm. But I would love the like. Okay, we're just gonna take a quick statement from the vice president. This is like just Alex was like, this is fucking homophobic bullshit. Like, right? Like, you people are prejudiced. Strike down this law immediately. I'm gonna get the fucking prime minister on the phone and give him peace of my mind. God. <laughs> and then like they just so, like Snake just picks up Alex and walks her out of the gym. Right. It's just like yeah. It's. Which is one of my favorite things on uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine of, um, uh, what's his name, Terry Crews picking up the Latinx detectives when they're very angry, just carrying them out of the room. (laughs) I still have not seen the show. It's very good. I really need to. I just, I just, it's one of those things, I mean, as we all know, I only watch two things right now, which is... Fire Emblem, and fucking, um, in Top Chef, so yeah. I need to do better. Um, so Marco 
has like, hey, Caitlin Ryan, you want a story? Have a homophobia and prejudice at Degrassi. Right. And it's like, she's just like, okay. <laughs> Which, like, to be fair, is is a consistency with her, right? Like, as much as we are like, Ugh, about her whole entire um, business with her um, plight toward bringing awareness to the AIDS crisis... It, it is, in theory, something that she has some sort of passion for. She cares, but the Degrassi writers are not smart enough to make her care in the right way. It, I think that's exactly it. I think that's a perfect way of putting it, honestly, where she... It's, it's one of those things where it's just, like... It's such, like... It's things that are so important, and yet they make her incredibly unlikable in the process. Yeah, well... Yeah... I mean, I, was, I think, like, even back then, I would like, I don't trust Caitlin Ryan. I don't really think I had much of an opinion about her, because it was, like, I thought, I thought it was cool that she was a reporter, and I was kind of, like, because, like, as a kid, especially if you're a kid who writes, like, you do flirt with the idea of being a journalist, inevitably, mm-hmm. because, like, that's just how it works. I don't even know if it works like that anymore with the way that writing is, is viewed in, and news, news anything is really viewed but like as a kid in the early aughts back when there was any sense of an industry in it i was like you know i don't know if i could do the tv but i like the idea of like going to places and reporting on them yeah so i found her cool enough in that sense but other than that i found her to be kind of all over the place which she is yeah um so like caitlin ryan and marco bumrush the nurse mm-hmm and, like, I, I get why they're doing it, but I always do feel a little bad for people who are, like, you know, it's their job, and, like, part of their job is enforcing the the mandates of, like, higher powers, and, like, going after the, like, lower people doesn't sit right to me, but, like, there's also, like, she's the one saying it. Yep. So, like, yeah, but, I don't know. Yeah, it's tricky because she's like, oh, I, I don't speak, like, to the policies, which I'm sure is something that anybody who, who participates in that probably has to, like, say. <laughs> I mean, also, I think you've probably, if you work retail, you've probably said that at some point. Right? right, right. Well, I know when I volunteer, although now it's now it's paid, working on a, a hotline, like, sometimes, like, we, we, have, we are prepped, like, if anyone talks to us directly about any policies or anything, because, like, we, we have certain... Bills that we try to support and things like that to, to help with survivors of sexual assault. Um, we have to say, like, we will not be say, like, you know, we will not be saying anything. If you have any questions about any, anything relating to our organization, this is our address. This is our phone number. Like, we just have to, like, regurgitate that type of information. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, Ms. Hazelakos swoops in to try and kibosh this. Yes. Um. And the way she does it, I feel like it's just such a, like, it's not great. No. But it's such a breath of fresh air from Radish. Yeah, I I do appreciate that she's trying to, I understand how she's trying to de-escalate. I understand the method that she's trying to do. It's not addressing the issue, much like Radish does not address the issue. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like at least it's in a way that she's not trying to belittle. She's trying to find a balance between empowering Marco but also, like, not causing a riot. And this is, I feel like, something that straight people constantly, like, fall into. And, yes, yes. Like, it's just, like, 
don't you understand? Like, this is a good thing. And it just, and like, meanwhile, you know, the LGBTQ people are like, don't you understand? I'm not considered a whole person. Well, I think with that. full rights. And I think that happens with a lot of like marginalized people when, when someone who is not a marginalized person is trying to talk to them. It's like, yeah, okay, sure. Like, you know, I understand. Like, you know, it's like, no, I don't understand. Honestly, I was going to say I understand and I don't. It's like, it's like you're trying to deescalate the situation and you're failing to recognize the way that the personhood is compromised. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's in a way that you need to shut up and listen. And that's kind of the thing. It's like, it's like you, Hasselakos, in many ways, I understand why she's trying to deescalate this. It's definitely one of those ways that you deescalate and then go, we need to have a conversation about this later. Yeah. Like, uh, we can't have this conversation now, but we are going to have it later. That That is probably the, the best middle ground, yeah. I think, that you could possibly have. But it, it does kind of go to that, like, yeah, but look at all the great things that you are doing here. And Marco says, like, you know, yeah, but like, I'm supposed to be with everyone. And... It's interesting because in LGBTQ narratives, there is this give and take type of discussion with LGBTQ rep. Because on one hand, there is, like, there's two ways you can do it. There's the one way, which is that being a part, being LGBTQ makes you different. And no matter what you do, you're not going to quite fit into society. And the argument is, is that you should revel in that as opposed to trying to assimilate, 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 conform, conform, conform. And there is something to be said about that, right? Like trying to be yourself and have your own identity and not many especially young adult lgbtq characters do that a lot of them kind of fall under the other category which is that we are like you we are we are you know we have we have the same interests we have the same likes and differences the only difference is is that we're lgbtq and it's a hard one in my head to fully negotiate because I think that there is merit to having both narratives. And I think this is an example of when the we are like you argument is actually really important. Because in this case, the we are like you is we have a right to be able to give blood. We have a right to be able to partic- be active participants in this area of life. And your discrimination is making us unable to be a part of it. I think that there's something to be said about representation outside of that, but I think in the case of this where discrimination is directly targeting a person in this way, I think that's where the we are like you argument really is important to have. Yeah. Because in Marco's case, he's being told physiologically he is not. Yeah. Which is a really hard thing to, for anybody to process, but especially a kid, and let's be real, a Catholic kid, who already probably hates himself by virtue of being Catholic. (laughs) Not to be dark, but it happens. There's a lot of issues with self-love in Catholic circles, especially Italian ones. <sighs> okay, let's keep going. Anyway, we go... Presbyterian. <laughs> That's what I was. Can't relate. Wish I could. <laughs> Wish I could. Um, we go to Dylan's door. Marco's storming down the hall. Um, and when he opens up the door, he sees Dylan hooking up with a guy. Um, Marco promptly slams the door, looks really fucking distraught, and Dylan opens it, like, immediately after. What a fucking day this young boy's having. I know! It's just so sad. And it's, it's really upsetting, and, and, uh, it's, I have a lot of thoughts about this. Um, Marco is like, you know, what the fuck? 
And Dylan's just like, oh, like, he's just some guy from chem. Um, but I don't want to break up. Like, I just want to open things up a bit. And Marco is just furious. And I'm furious, too, because I fucking hate this type of shit. And it's like, are people in college shitheads about open relationships? Yes. Yes. Does that mean that I need every single instance of open relationships and or polyamory to fall under this? No. No. And that's the problem with this. This is where this part of the plot gets me so angry because it's like, I'm not saying that it's unrealistic. Dylan is selfish. He's been selfish from the jump. Like, even the way that he kind of processed Marco and Marco being out in his lack of being out in the beginning of the relationship, he put a lot of emphasis on you should be out for me, basically. Like, you should be out because it's, it's more convenient for me as a person. And... You know, being out versus not being out, it's a difficult conversation to have, especially, like, you know, it's a negotiation, right? Like, you, as a partner, must decide how comfortable you are being in a relationship with someone and, like, how out they are, or lack thereof. But Dylan was kind of really forceful on the topic, and it made Marco feel a certain way during the whole entire ordeal. Um, And even though, like, Marco is more confident and more happy, and, and in many ways, like, you know, things ended up okay for him that doesn't mean every single time a person comes out it's going to be okay and in this case dylan wanting to open up a relationship is not the problem here it is not a bad thing to want to explore polyamory open relationships etc etc but and this is the thing that pisses me off when we get to these plots it does not it it entirely neglects to address how fucking open you need these things to be to work and media representation is so important right like polyamory can be a really beautiful thing it can be a horrible thing but it can be a beautiful thing and we don't see in media how it is beautiful and we don't see in media how it's a positive experience or can be a positive experience much like monogamy can be good and bad too um and it's just really disappointing to see it fall under this but also at the same time it's handled in a way that it feels it's it's I think this is more me having an issue with polyamory and media in a broader sense and less how it was done in this episode. Yeah. Um, so, Marco then hears this and storms off. Um, we go to the next scene and we have the classic they're ha- on the phone and then they walk up to each other that Marco and Ellie are so good at. <laughs> um, but Marco's calling Ellie and Alex. He talks about how Dylan was trying to open up the relationship and then he walks up to them. And this is the part that also makes me really sad is that how much Marco is beating himself up over this. And this is a really rough day in many senses, but also the fact that Marco's personhood and his body has kind of been under attack in many ways. It's it's because of the blood, the blood donation, the fact that he's not allowed to donate blood. But it also comes in the form of the fact that like he he is not seeing himself as physically good enough for Dylan. He is not satisfying enough. He is not, um, like, he, as a person, is just not worth Dylan being only focused on him. And that's that's when this type of shit really goes south. Because that's not what it should be. It should be you have love and you have love, like, multiple types of love or multiple, like, you know, you have sexual desire for, for different people. And each person is kind of like a piece of the puzzle that is what you you need to be happy. As opposed to, you are not good enough now, I'm going to explore other options. Yeah. And Speaking of being figuratively under attack, Alex then changes that to literally and smacks Marco in the head. Yes. 
Um, and to which they have, the whole team has a fairly charming conversation <laughs> about men cheating in other things. So give me a second to pull up my my transcript. So the best way to kind of embody what the heck happens during this scene is um, just to play it out. So yeah. I will be playing the roles of Marco and Craig. I will be Alex and Ellie. <laughs> so Alex smacks Marco on his head. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Alex, my ex, formerly known as Jay Hogart, screwed around with every girl at the school. It's not a gay thing, promiscuity. It's a guy thing. Craig says, hey, didn't I hear you clocked Amy for being equally trampy? Ellie, oh, and how, oh, and how's Ash Craig? Or are you back with Manny? It's hard to tell, especially when you secretly dated them at the same time. Craig, let's just call it a people thing. Ellie, let's call it a choice. Monogamy, wow, what a difficult concept. Marco just going, I just want my boyfriend back. So. And then Craig's like, well, we'll just roll to his party and like. That'll work. But I kind of. And then back is what will get him. Craig, yeah. that's a terrible sentence. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. I I did kind of like this because I like that in spite of some of the, like, storytelling issues that I have with this, like, you know, the way that they tell they're running the season, I do like that they acknowledge a lot of the transgressions that these characters have had. Yeah. Like, they're not just floating away into the ether. We're not supposed to look at these characters as, like, blank slates. Yeah. We are supposed to see them the way that we would as viewers, which is, like, we hang on to, like, all the, the bullshit that they've done. And I feel like that's really realistic also in, like, how you view people in high school. Because it's, like, you go, like, wait a second, were you the fucking person who cheated with, like, two separate people simultaneously? <laughs> like, that's what you remember when you see people down the hall in high school. Like, if people look at, at Alex, they're gonna go, wait, didn't you smack the shit out of a girl? <laughs> Like, that is what you remember people by. You remember their last names and something scandalous they did. So we go to the party, and Craig's like, oh, there are boys and girls here. And Marco sees Dylan, and Craig is too busy looking at girls. And then Marco approaches Dylan, and Craig swerves out. Sorry, I would have loved to just see Craig be like, oh... He's by No, no, no. Craig's like talking to girls and he's like, oh, this is a different kind of party that I'm used to. See, I wanted this to be Craig's. I wanted this episode to be the only way this episode would have been like absolutely like God tier episode is if this was Craig's bisexual awakening. <laughs> Craig's looking around. He's like, wow, a lot of people here have Spinner's haircut. <laughs> <laughs> That was good. That was good, Frank. You, you got a laugh out of me. That was good. That was real good. We might have talked a lot about this off air, about Spinner's hair and undercuts a lot. And who that haircut belongs to. Yes, me. Um, anyway, um, so we go back to the party and Marco says that things are going well with Dylan and like Craig can leave and Craig's like no I want to stay it's like fucking 8 p.m. hell yeah I'm gonna stay um in which Marco realizes that the Caitlin Ryan report is going live so he turns on one of the TVs he drags Dylan to it um and the report mentions how the blood drive is a success but doesn't mention anything about the discrimination doesn't have any of the footage of Marco confronting the nurse or anything like that and Marco's really upset about it Oh, he's also upset about his head looking big. 
Yeah, like, he's self-conscious in his typical Marco way, but he's also really sad because he wants to show Dylan how, like, how he spoke up for himself, because... Uh, As a fellow giant hunter, I feel you, Marco. Oh. And then Craig's like, it's just your hair's big. Yeah, yeah, he's like, Craig's just, like, sitting there in the corner. I really love Craig just kind of, like, just going through it. Like, this whole entire party, he's just like, huh. And, like, it's... I just imagine him going through this bisexual crisis in the process. He's like, man, everybody's hot. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Like, it would be, like, just really cool if Craig just discovers this, like, community. And he's just like, you know what? These people are pretty fucking awesome. Right. And, like, he realizes he's a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, disclaimer, I would want some overhauling of his character. I would not want a bisexual character who cheats. It would have to be a bit of a, a bit of a work in pr- workshop on that one, but I like the idea of Craig being bi. Anyway. Get him a nice boyfriend that, like, doesn't pull up any of his shit. Yeah. yeah. But no, does not fix him either. It's all on Craig to fix himself. Yeah. But, like, just, you know, puts up strong boundaries and, and all is well. Um, anyway, so... Marco was really upset that Dylan is so, like, whatever about it because, as Marco points out, like, look, like, you you were the one who kind of, like, threw me out of the closet and, like, you know, was, like, trying to get me to to be, like, super out and proud and, like, here I am being out and proud. Like, why don't you care? Like, why don't you give a shit? Yeah. Um, sorry to just go back on that. Uh, mm-hmm. Caitlin says, And so Degrassi has risen from the ashes of a tumultuous school year thanks to this week's local hero, Marco Del Rossi. And she, I would have like a continuation of that is like much like the other time it rose from the ashes when it was literally burned to the ground. <laughs> God damn it, Degrassi. Um, um, and like the what even sucks more is the person that drags Dylan away is the same boy that was like he was cheap. Er- right, Eric with the kamikazes. Yeah, and so Dylan or Marco makes a plan to make. Dylan gels, and Craig is very worried about this. Right, and it, this is where it gets really sad and upsetting from, uh, you know, from a polyamory perspective, because it's like, it just sucks, because I understand why Marco's reaction is to make Dylan gels. That makes perfect sense to me. It's just sad, because it's like, that's not what, like, this is not what polyamory is, and I, I don't know, I guess I always get really bummed that this is the way that people get exposed to it, if if we saw, like, things going south after we have at least had the idea presented neutrally, I would be less upset about it. But that's so... I feel like it's so progressive in a way that, like, most media is very bad at. I don't want... I, I, I feel like what you're saying is correct, but I also feel like Marco's not reading this as polyamory. No, 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 no. Like, no, I'm, I'm being... saying the concept yeah. of an open relationship or the concept of having multiple partners. I want it to be presented neutrally in a series before we go into a plot like this. Yeah. But I acknowledge that is a tall fucking order to ask a series, especially if you have a lot of people who are writing it who are very monogamous. Yeah. I, I think that it's it's a very hard premise to visualize unless you see it in action positively, and unfortunately, it's very hard to see it in action positively for many different reasons. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. Uh, time for time for us to meet Mike. Yeah. So. Mike is kind of a creeper. Yeah, he's a little weird. Um, H- hitting on a seventeen-year-old. Well. Yeah. 
Um, so he's talking to Mike. I thought he was creepy for another reason. Um, talking to, uh, Marco's talking to a guy, Mike, asks to see his room and how he's thinking about dorming next year and how he has seen, only seen Dylan's room. And Mike's like, oh, all right, all right, let me clean up. And then, like, looks at Marco dead in the eye, says the name, says Marco, but, like, rolls his R in the process. And, like, my whole body, like, heaved in response. Oh, and then Dylan is in the... <laughs> I'm just saying, so I'm just thinking once again about um, a few, like about a month or so ago, Donnie and I went garage sale shopping. Yes. And I was going to buy a cool cowboy hat. And uh. this guy was just like, yeah, it's the same kind of cowboy hat Clint Eastwood wore and hang him high. Uh, you could probably look on it like him if like you lost a few pounds and like patted my stomach and my mm. buddy Danny was just like, wow, I just watched that sale die in your eyes so quickly. And I was Marco, I'd be like, oh, no. Right, right. <laughs> but fortunately, that's all we see of Mike. <laughs> yeah, so... And Dylan's in the back, and he looks kind of, like, psyched for Marco, and Marco just looks really bummed out that Dylan feels that way. Yeah. And then we get Craig doing... doing he's the, so sweet. Doing this. the good work of a best friend. Yeah, he's just trying to gas his friend up. He's like, yeah, like, you know, you're really cute, and you're short, which adds to the cuteness in IMO, and, like, I'm trying not to sound like I have a crush on my friend. And then, like, does the whole, like, you know, if you were a girl, or, I mean, I was like, like, what he says, like, or if I was not a god. Okay, I'm, like, I'm, I'm just gonna read it out. You know, you're a great guy. The most honest, down-to-earth, nicest person that I know. You're a little short, but that just adds to the cuteness. That I'd find you to be. If you were a girl or I was not a guy, points to himself. Is not gay. Just tell me this is helping. <laughs> um, and Marcus Wise, you're telling me what I really want to hear. I appreciate it. Thanks. If you want to help me, tell me I'm an idiot. You're an idiot? <laughs> it's so sweet. I really like their friendship. I've liked their friendship for a very long time. I mean, remember, they screamed in the woods together and everything. And there's, like, this, like... I do wonder if, like, a 2019 version of this show, like, they would have at least made out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, maybe this is just a sign I need to finally, like, do the wish fulfillment that, like, 12-year-old Donnie wanted, which was write Craig Marco fanfic. Oh, I, <laughs> I was thinking about the two, one of the two things that John Mayer ever said that were true. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, he said, my body is a wonderland. Um, and two, he said, write what you want to see in the world. Right, and that might just be what it has to be, but it's like, there's this, once again, like, I feel like if this, I don't know, I don't want to say Craig being bi would be a no-brainer, but, like, the idea of, like, a sensitive musician, like, maybe, like, you know, is not straight, it's like, that feels like low-hanging fruit, but, once again, like, I understand why in this era it didn't happen, but I do wonder, like, if they, if they were to revamp Degrassi, like, revamp it as in keep the characters from next gen or from or etc like what how would they would change some of the characterizations in that sense yeah so then comes i think so far my favorite moment in the season yes (laughs) like dylan appears at the top of the stairwell and marco just grabs craig and smooches him and like reaction (laughs) jake epstein does such an amazing job of his reaction to this. 
<laughs> because it's just like it's shock. It's like what? Right. <laughs> it's shock. It's confusion. <laughs> like he he's like bobbing his neck up and like he turtles his neck a little bit. It's really good. It's worth. <laughs> If you have not revisited this episode, you're just listening to this because, you know, you just want to feel nostalgia. I strongly recommend re-watching this scene because it is so fucking funny. <laughs> it's moment-to-moment work. Like, oh, God. He's just... It, it's such good, like, non-verbal humor. Yes. it's It's really fucking funny. I mean, it's like... Yeah, okay, like, yes, let's acknowledge that it was a kiss without his consent. Yes, let's acknowledge that. Obviously, that is not not a good idea on Marco's part. However, Jake Epstein's reaction to being kissed in the heat of the moment is still so well executed. (laughs) And then, of course, he gives iconic reaction of, so when in doubt, you kiss Craig? (laughs) Which has been in my head since I was young. (laughs) Um, also Marco's kiss let's talk about the body language of that kiss that was not just like a peck on the cheek like that was like he like grabs him from like his neck and like the base of his neck and the back of his head and pulls him in it's like not just like a oh smooch like no it was like a come to me oh god I just remembered I've been kissed like this was it because you were trying to, you were caught up in a jealousy plot? No. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, no, it's, that's not a fun way to be kissed, because, like, it, your nose gets all, like, pushed the wrong way. Like, uh... So, yeah. Yeah, no, this was, this was good. Like, Marco, Marco immediately, what I do like about the scene, what makes me okay with the kiss, is as soon as it happened, Marco's like, oh, fuck. Like, he knows he screwed up. And he's like, I gotta talk to Dylan. And Craig's like, yeah, you gotta talk to him. I gotta sell this with Dylan. And Craig's like, yeah, you do. You really, really do. And then just continues sitting there trying to, like, make Process sense it. his brain with the kiss. He's just, like, much to think about. Like, that Billy Ray Cyrus fucking, like, photo of him, like, on the trampoline. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that. I'm gonna pull this up. But, um... So, um... We were talking about this, and and, and Frank brought up a point... Um, and, and was, like, you know, I'm really glad that this wasn't, like, Craig, like, doing some sort of, like, really homophobic, um, like, homophobic reaction, and I agree, too, like, okay, he's not on a fucking trampoline, but, like, he's on, he's, he's behind some, like, he's some, like, pavers behind him. (laughs) It's, like, my favorite tweet. Billy Ray Cyrus is part of the Degrassi canon. Oh God, yeah, I forgot he is. God damn it. Um, oh, anyway, well, like, I, I, I'm mostly thinking about that just horrific transphobic moment in Ace Ventura: Pet Detective, yeah. where he, you know, he just like he's plunging his face and vomiting and whatnot, and like. Donnie was saying, like, oh, there is a, like, that would be really out of character for Craig. And, like, we've seen these characters be out of character. Yeah, it's a good point. In service of shitty jokes. Right. So. No, I agree. It's it's really nice to see it be a little handled differently. It's like when, like, I'm also mostly reminded of when Marco was first, 
beginning to come to terms with sexuality, all of a sudden you have Sean throwing around the F slur. Right. Which I will now put in a <laughs> added um, trigger warning for. Yeah. Uh, but well, yeah. I, I think that falls under homophobia. Yeah, it just sucks. Um, but yeah, it's... Like I said, in 2019, this would have been Craig being like, maybe, you know, what a day, what a day. Perhaps I like men. Um, this is what my fanfic will be about. AU. AU or... I think I have another fanfic, which is... Okay, so Dylan and Marco break up. Because um, Marco says, like, I don't want to be monogamous. And, like, neither of us is going to get what we want. And I don't want that. So, it's time for us to split up. Yeah. Um, for me, the fanfiction I want to write is, like... Mark And Marco just leaves crying. Mm-hmm. Like I, the fanfiction I want to read is Craig storming his way back to Dylan, and then just like laying into Dylan and being like, "I can't believe this! This is pearls before swine! How could you throw him away and do him dirty like this?" Right. And then like Dylan's hockey buddies come up. He's like, and Craig is like, "Yeah," and just runs away. <laughs> yeah. It. It would have been interesting to have another piece, but I do appreciate the last scene, so it kind of makes it worth it. Yeah, like, instead of, so instead of, like, us just getting Marco kind of um, mourning his lost relationship, he goes to talk to Caitlin, asking, is my piece from the, is my piece from the episode going to be aired, or from the broadcast going to be aired at any point? And Caitlin's like, no, the station won't let me, essentially. Mm-hmm. But basically says, like, look, do you want to, like, intern over the summer in Africa and other places? Mm-hmm. Which I, and Marco says this great line at the end. Uh, I did have some, but you know how, or, Caitlin, it would mean giving up your entire summer. Any big plans? Marco, I did have some, but you know how it is with plans, they change. I like that. The only thing I will say about the scene that sucks is just Caitlin Ryan. Cause she's like, I went to Africa. I care about HIV AIDS because I went to Africa. Ugh. Caitlin's the worst. <laughs> Me at 28 years old, I'm like, oh, the real villain of Degrassi is Caitlin Ryan. And her white privilege. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> but I do like the idea of Marco having this interest in this investment in changing the world for the better. Yeah. Because I think that that's a thing about him that we don't always see in, in, we don't always see play out in the episodes, though I feel it. You know what I mean? Like, I think, like, him being class president, we don't truly, we see him try to do good for the community, but we don't see, like, the how deep it runs for him. Mm-hmm. And to see him want to, like, want to be a part of something and want to try and, like, solve such a difficult topic yeah is very sweet i also just like the idea that like we've seen characters go into bad behavior when they get broken up with or when they're unsure of their relationships yes and instead of doing that marco's reaction to his own heartbreak is to go and help people and that resonates with me too like i feel like i feel like there is yeah a lot of characters just jump to bad behavior after being broken up with in this show. A lot of characters. Like, and I understand why. Yeah. 
Well, I, I, I saw a Tumblr post where somebody was talking about, like, you know, um, characters who have gone through, like, trauma and mm-hmm. whatnot, and, like, a lot of the, the, the main going thing is, like, well, they just visit that trauma on somebody else, and they're like, we need more of the characters who are just like, no, like, I'm gonna do good because this thing happened to me that sucks. It's also, it's the problem with trauma narrative, and we talked about this when Craig started hitting Joey back a couple episodes back where it's like cycles of abuse are not neatly cyclical like a lot of people will assume like oh if you got hit then you're gonna hit etc etc but trauma doesn't play that type of game because people's trauma is not identical and even then it's like you may have maladapted skills that you have to work on but ultimately like just be it's not like a transfer for a direct transfer so you do see this happen where sometimes you are, and like also at the end of the day, a lot of the time when people have been traumatized, a lot of the time they are their own worst enemy and yeah. they are more likely to hurt themselves than anybody else. And so it's nice to see Marco see something like, you know, shitty happen and have something shitty happen to him. And he goes, okay, then I'm going to focus on myself then. Because I think that there's also this undercurrent in this plot, which is how much he has changed because of Dylan. And I don't think that change is bad. I think that he has become more confident and more open and more out. And yes, it was not quite on entirely on the terms that he wanted it to be or at the pace that he wanted it to be. But now he is a new, more confident person. And because of that, as scary and upsetting as a breakup is, he knows he can stand on his own two feet and new, do something new. Yeah. And that's actually really beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to, like, come up with another joke ending for this episode that ties into my fanfiction idea, but now I, yeah, I like the way you ended it much better. Thanks. I uh, love Marco. <laughs> well, what I was going to say was just, like, given our new headcanon of Alex teaching Marco how to, like, take a tackle, like, he's never tackled her back, <laughs> but then, like, he just sees her, like, walking towards, like, Dylan's car with, like, a baseball bat and a spray can and just comes running out of nowhere and just tackles her to the ground. Right. She's like, I just want to, like, break the windshield. No! (laughs) (laughs) That would be cute. And then, like, just cut to, like, Margot running away with the stubble out of his chase. (laughs) But anyway, um, so I'm going to give this a solid A. Nice. Like, this is, like, the first A post-school shooting episode? Yeah, honestly. Like, this was the first one in a while that I've enjoyed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that it didn't feel like I was just getting through. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Uh, no, it, it, like, I wasn't pumped on seeing... Well, honestly, like, we haven't seen Dylan so much that how you kind of forgot they were dating yeah he's just kind of been sprinkled in here and there and i understand to a certain extent because he was in college but it's like but you know i'm just also like i'm enjoying like i'm enjoying marco and i just was pumped for a good marco episode yeah marco is a character who's able to stand on his own two feet i think especially since the growth that he's had yeah it's a good way to reiterate that like you can have an lgbtq character that doesn't need to be connected to a a couple. Like you he's still definitely an LGBTQ character, whether he's single or with someone. Which yeah. is good. 
Um, so I'll go to character rankings. Um, Snake and Emma, you were in this episode. I'm sorry, you Spike. were. Spike. Fuck. Spike and Emma. Goddamn names. I know. Spike and Emma, you were in this episode, but you were just given terrible man dialogue. Um, you're not moving. Um, Marco, like, continue enjoying hanging out amongst Paige and the others. Um, Alex, like, fuck, continue your upward climb. Uh, Craig, for just that unbelievable reaction, gets the rise of a bunch of spots. Ellie, for being also a good friend of Marco, uh, gets to bump up a few spots. Um, Spinner, uh, for trying, you can bump up two spots. Uh, Jay, you know what? Surprising amounts of attempting do-goodery. You can bump up a few spots. Mm-hmm. Um, Miss Hazelakos, you're in a tough spot, but, like, you're handling a lot better than fucking Radish ever did, so you can jump up a bunch of spots. Um, Dylan, how dare you? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going down a bunch of spots. Eric... You were one episode. Congratulations. You, But Eric is a one episode person. Doesn't get to go hang out in these super fun. No. Like, one off character f- spot. Fuck it. Dallas would not. Like, he opened the door and Dallas just pushed him back out. I was like, uh, <laughs> uh, we don't like cheaters in this part of the town. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Though, I do wonder with Eric how aware he was. Uh, yeah. Um, I've learned to not put my anger as much toward the person who was with the cheater and put all of my anger at the cheater. Yeah, I mean, because that must be a fucking bad spot to be where you're like, oh no. Because here's my other thing. Dylan was so flippant about being in an open relationship. Did he tell Eric he was in an open relationship? Who knows? Who Uh, knows? Who knows? Anyway. Um, Whatchamacallit? Uh, is that it? Yeah, I guess so. It's a fairly small cast. I honestly, I feel like those are the better episodes. They are, because you don't have to do, like, you know what it makes me think of? Like, you know, like, like, when you're doing, like, you have a group, like, you have a group, like, a party in, like, a video game. Like, you have, like, the the scene before, like, a chapter starts. Mm. And, like, every character is reduced to, like, one line. So it's, like, if a character <laughs> likes food, they talk about food. And if a character is, like, loves romance, they mention romance. And if someone wants, you know what I mean? Like, everyone gets reduced <laughs> to saying something that's, like, super stereotypical for themselves. Yeah. That. Or, or it's just, like, the fucking... In, like, Final Fantasy X, where it's, like, you and your enormous group of guardians. Right. And, like, they just say something, you're like, yeah, of course. It's, like, suddenly, like, my only reference is Fire Emblem, but, like, Sylvain's like, oh, Sylvain's talking about, like, fucking women again. And Felix talks about how he likes his sword. Like, it just, like, everyone gets reduced to, like, that. That's what it makes me think of when you have too many characters in this. Like, suddenly it's, like, everyone just kind of gets reduced to their, like, weird baseline that, that everyone is. And then it's, like, not interesting. Yeah. You get some nice layers in this, and you actually get to see the dynamics, and and you see some interesting dynamics in this episode. Oh man, I'm such a I'm such a fat dude. I'm just like it's kind of like nachos. You can have too many layers on your nachos. You can. It's true. No, I agree. You can have too many layers on your nachos. But uh, yeah, it when it it's there's some good stuff in this episode. There really is. Yeah. 
Um, recommendations? Yeah, so let's recommend things that are either directly related or tangentially related. I finally have recommendations that are directly related. Um, so the first thing is the cheating plot and the idea of jealousy and can you make your partner jealous after they cheated on you. Reminds me a lot of um, the current, the latest season of BoJack Horseman. There is a subplot that kind of carries through the season that is relating to that. Um, obviously, your miles you made vary. Some people like BoJack, some people don't. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the series, but um, it made me think a lot of one of the subplots in the latest season. And then also I recommend, um, it's a Nib uh, comic, which you can also get a zine version of if you catch the writer. At least I caught the writer. Um, and, but it's called, it's 2018 and Gay Men Still Can't Give Blood in America by uh, Josh Chuhio. Um, and the art is by Levi Hastings. Um, and it is all about, um, the situation relating to the blood ban, where it kind of originated from, and its contemporary viewpoint. Um, you can find it online as well, but, um, also worth checking out. His, um, Josh's stuff in particular is, uh, he does a lot of, like, LGBTQ history, um, which I really recommend. He's done a lot of stuff for a lot of different comics, some pre-existing intellectual properties, some his own original work. My, my favorite things that he has produced have been a lot of his LGBTQ history stuff. So, um, if you want to see some cool perspectives, um, it's definitely worth checking out his stuff. So, those are my recommendations. Um, I honestly, I don't really have anything that kind of fits the mold. Well, um... I'm going to uh, recommend... I saw the movie Harriet, about Harriet Tubman. Um, it was... Like, I've always had a like great respect for her and what she did. Um, and this movie, I feel like, does her so much... Like, does her justice. Um, showing just, like, what a badass she was. And, like, what a goddamn hero. Uh, and fortunately... Um, it doesn't fall into some of the other tropes I've seen with movies about slavery, where it's just, like, really reveling in the violence of the slave-like, you know, system. Um, there is some, and it's terrible, but it's not, like, some movies I feel like that fetishize it. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend it. It is just a spectacular, beautiful movie. And the entire cast just... Is fucking phenomenal. So, yeah. Um, and like, I was just like, who's like, and like the one one main slaveholder. I was like, holy shit, that's Taylor Swift's boyfriend, <laughs> Jake Alwyn, and what the fuck his name is. Uh, okay. But um, but yeah, I am. I I'm really hoping it wins at least some Academy Awards. Though. Are we are we at the time of year where things are being truly considered? Yeah, yeah like, I guess we are, yeah, okay. Yeah, like November, because the Academy is made up of a lot of old men, so <laughs> they can't remember past certain time periods. Right. Um, other than that, uh, I think I'll recommend Dessa's new album, um, which I cut out when our talking about. Uh, it, she made an album with the Minnesota... Uh, orchestra mm -hmm. of her of her songs and it is just beautiful. Yeah, a lot of the orchestrations I actually prefer on that album than their original ones. Yeah. Um, particularly if you know me, I 
I've been slowly getting through Dessa's stuff. Um, it's been inspiring a lot of my fanfic lately. Nice. So. <laughs> Call Off Your Ghost from that album is a very good version. Um, Makes me think of some Fire Emblem characters. My favorite thing about it, though, is she's like, this is my first performance of an orchestra. So, of course, I had somebody make me a full-length red cloak. Hell yeah. <laughs> which she put on when I saw her um, do a talk and a few song performance at the Green Space in New York City, which is a really cool venue. I think you should check it out. Awesome. So if you want to continue the conversation with us, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can join us um, via email at ihopod at gmail.com. Feel free to send any questions, comments, concerns, as well as any potential um, interest in guest appearing. Um, We've been doing some things alone lately. Um, It's because we just have been super fucking busy. Um, Literally the entirety of the fourth season that we have been trying to get through, like so much stuff has happened to us, some good, some bad. Um... Perhaps things we will reflect on in the end of the year. Perhaps not. But it's been a really wild ride, and we really appreciate everyone's patience during this time. Um, but obviously, if you are interested, we would love to have you. Uh, we also have our social media, which has been a little quiet lately, and that's entirely on me. You can follow us on Twitter at I Hope Pod, um, and you can also follow our Facebook group at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast. Hopefully, I will get a little better on this as my life hopefully slows down a little bit. Um... There's a couple ways you can help the show out. You can donate to our coffee account. Any money that we make on our coffee account is going to go toward um, tech upgrades as well as compensating guests. Or you can join our review challenge. Once we hit 20 reviews, we are going to go back to the Degrassi archives. We're going to check out some Degrassi Junior High, Degrassi High episodes as bonus content. Once we hit 30, we're actually going to write uh, one of our plotline shuffle game uh, premises. And now I'm putting my hat in the ring. 40, I will write J Spinner fanfic. I'll just say it. I'll write it. Um, 50, I will write Alex, and we'll put a poll out to see who wants her. What, Alex Ship? <laughs> Can I do that one instead? Why am I doing this? See, here's the problem with the... Oh, rock, paper, scissors, you first. Well, we'll both write Alex Ships. We'll put up a Twitter poll. We'll write. We'll do two separate Twitter polls, because some people who have read my fanfic probably know what my strong suits are. We'll figure out which Alex Ships we'll write. We'll do, like, a little Alex fic fest. Um, anyway. So if you're interested, obviously, thank you everyone who's submitted reviews so far, and thank you for everyone who is considering it, and thank you in general for your support. It's literally a joy to record this every week. I know sometimes we get super busy, we get super tired, but at the end of the day, I, I, I know once a week I get to hang out with my friend for a couple hours, and the fact that other people are entertained by that means the world to me. Um, if you want to follow me individually, you can follow me at DM is Unbreakable. As always, it is Fire Emblem Hell, so please be aware of that. However, um, I'm always down to talk about Degrassi. I'm always down to talk about other things. Um, and if you're interested, you can see some of my writing. I got articles that I have for Palm Mag. I have articles for other things. I have zines, some things for zines that I have had featured. Or you can read some of my weird Fire Emblem fanfic. Um, I have a Twitter now. I'm Dance Dance Fall. Yeah, um, you are! And my tweets are... Pure nonsense. What's it like experiencing my Twitter in real time? Uh, well, I, honestly, I mostly go on just to post my stuff, and I'm like, all right, I'm out. That's fair. Uh, That's the right answer. Uh, like one of my last tweets was, "Are we sure about the name Rodimus?" Quoted as, "Hopefully, at least one writer of the Transformers movie." Um, so get ready for shit like that. Um, I also have a Instagram, Sir I Would Challenge, and. 
I have another podcast I do with my sister called Teen Girl Talk, um, where we discuss movies and uh, TV shows and other stuff that isn't Degrassi for teens. This week we did, oh god, what did we do? Uh, oh, we did Make It or Break It, the gymnastics TV show. Oh. Um, next week we're going to be doing Adventureland. Um, which I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, my YouTube channel isn't like a thing anymore, so. Uh, well, pretty soon I'll be putting up one of my original works, my original manuscripts on Wattpad. Um, and yeah, that's it for me. And with that being said, everybody, we hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. Later. See ya. Your ideas are